Welcome tonight to Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. You know, thanks for joining us at Church Online. Again, I'm going to say this. Church Online is church anytime. It's church wherever you are. And many of you are watching this uh, live tonight, and some of you are watching it archived because it's a part of the lesson that you're going to be teaching. If you have not yet received your booklet or your information materials uh, and you would like to, please uh, click on to ifmypeoplewill.com, okay? ifmypeoplewill.com. If you'll just go to that website, you, you could just request the information materials be sent to you. They'll be sent, you know, free and postpaid uh, so that you can begin a life shape a group in your area, wherever you are in the world, and it's not translated into your language, then you contact us right there at ifmypeoplewill.com. There's a place where you can contact us, and we will do what we can and everything that we can to make sure it's translated in a language that uh, is naturally spoken there in your community so that you can teach uh, your neighbors life shape prayer and discipleship. Don't forget to pray. We just completed a few minutes here of uh, that we've set aside our 34th week uh, to uh, to humble ourselves and pray according to Second Chronicles seven fourteen and thank all of you so much who are participating. Something that you guys don't get to see, uh, you don't get to see all of the youth that are participating. They gather together in the front of the church as we're praying and uh, uh, just uh, you know seek God as a as as a group uh, for all the things that we pray for. We pray for individuals, families, churches, our communities, and our nation. Okay, according to Second Chronicles seven fourteen. So. Make sure you find some time in your week to do that as well. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you all for being here. Do not, we're, uh, we're in our 34th week, but actually uh, we track it a different way with our Life Shape Prayer and Discipleship. We track it by modules. We have four different modules. We are in module number three, and this is our life block lesson number eight. Module three, block eight. Oh, how in the world does that work? And tonight it's on service. What we're talking about and our module three is our new creation responsibilities. You know, the first module talked about redemption. What, you know, what did God do so that we could get saved? You know, I mean, there is one God. We went all the way from the origin of God to, to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, baptism of water. You know, we went all the way through redemption and sin and how God, uh, you know, sacrificed His only Son because it took the blood of a perfect sacrifice in order to eternally free us from the debt of sin. Sin separated us. Then in, in, uh, uh, in, in the death of Jesus, He reconciled us to God. And module number two talked about our new creation realities. Now that we are new creations in Christ, Christ Jesus, now that we're born again, what do we get? And we talked a whole lot about what we get because we get born again. You know, it's uh, you know, getting saved, you get a lot. And we had 12 lessons on what we get, new creation realities. You know, uh, it's just like being born. You know, uh, uh, I think probably tomorrow, uh, if, if you're watching this live, it's your tomorrow. Tomorrow, there's a great possibility that I will have a new grandchild born. Do you know when this child is born, they're going to experience some new realities. They're going to go from basically one world to a whole other world. Even though they're in that world today, they don't recognize it or see it. You know, my, my new grandchild today does not recognize all the potential, all the possibilities uh, that, that, that exist in the world that they currently live in because they're in, they're, they're in kind of a, a, you know, a, a bubble of life, if, if, if you will. Well, that's the way we are, living in a world so beneath the children of God, and all of a sudden we get born again. We come forth 
in, in his spirit, born not only uh, you know, uh, naturally, but born supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. And when we're born again, we become brand new creations, brand new creatures in Christ Jesus. And we get a lot of, of potential in our life. A lot of things become possible in our life that were not possible before. And uh, so we had 12 lessons of new creation realities. Now, this module uh, talks about our new creation responsibilities. There's a time in life when we should grow up and we should take upon ourselves some responsibilities for life. In in Christian world, in our born-again realities, we need to take upon ourselves some responsibilities for the kingdom of God. And so that's where we're at. Module 3, New Creation Responsibilities. Block 8 tonight, we're talking about service. What do I mean by service? I mean doing our part, okay? That's what I mean. Uh, doing service for God. Doing our part. I'm going to be reading from uh, the New Living Translation a passage from 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, you, can, uh, you can follow along on the screen. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but I've called it encapsulated. I think I just created that term. I coined that term tonight, uh, uh, that, that phrase, New Living Translation encapsulated. That means this, that I didn't use every verse. I just hit the high points and encapsulated the thought of 1 Corinthians 12. Let me read it to you from the New Living. The Bible says, The body has many different parts, not just one part. Our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually more necessary. If one part suffers, the part, uh, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. He's talking about parts. Each one of us is a part of something so much greater, so much bigger than we might imagine if we only looked at our own lives. God has created us to fit together, to be connected together and to work together, to serve and to do our part. You know, early on the morning of December the 7th, 1941, uh, I know uh, many of you were around at that time, but early on the morning of December the 7th, 1941, 353 Japanese planes were launched off of six aircraft carriers in the Pacific. They were a part of the Imperial Japanese Navy. And there they subsequently, uh, uh, surprise, in, in surprise, attacked and bombed Pearl Harbor. The United States of America, the base there, the Navy base in, and, uh, in, in Hawaii. And the surprise attack, it sank four battleships. It damaged, severely damaged four others. It sank three destroyers, and it, it sank uh, also three cruisers and one mine layer, and uh, it, it also sank one anti-aircraft training vessel. It destroyed 188 U.S. aircraft. It killed 2,402 Americans. It wounded 1,282 more Americans, and it shocked the whole world. The attack was intended by the Japanese as a preventive measure. What they wanted to do was they wanted to hurt or 
hurt the U.S. or make the U.S. afraid or incapable of responding to some of the aggressive maneuvers they had planned in the Pacific. They were planning on moving against U.S. and European targets, and they wanted to disable the U.S. or at least push them from coming into the war. Well, after launching the warplanes from his carrier, uh, the Admiral Iso, Isoroku Yamamoto, I think I said that right, Iso, Isoroku Yamamoto, he is credited with saying something. He was the commander-in-chief, the marshal admiral of the Japanese uh, 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 fleet there. He is reported as having said, I fear all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with terrible resolve. Now, we don't know if he actually said that or not. Some people say he did. Some people say he didn't. You know, and it, it, and it was in a couple of movies in some form, and so it became very popular. But, but uh, whether he said this or not, whether he actually, this is actually a quote from him, that, that I fear that all we have done is awaken a sleeping giant and fill him with terrible resolve, whether or not that's a, that, that quote is accurate, nonetheless, the truth stands sure. You see, following this unprovoked attack, on the United States at Pearl Harbor. Americans from all walks of life, they woke up. They discarded their petty differences. They united in one common goal and they pressed themselves into service of their country. Each one found their place of service and each one did their part for the cause. Volunteers poured into the Army, into the Navy, into the Air Corps, and into the Marines. Men and women, they left schools, they left jobs, they left homes and sweethearts behind for a chance to be a part of something that was greater than themselves, something that they felt was worth their pledge, worth their honor, worth their life. Others joined civilian workforces, and they participated in bond drives, and they accepted rationing as a part of life, and, and they manned aircraft and ammunition factories, and they went uh, you know, uh, without personal comforts, and they gave everything they had uh, for this cause they believed in so that they could feel like they were doing their part. Virtually everyone found something that they could do for the cause. United together... We as Americans, we fought a long and a hard battle, but we also won a great victory. And history looks back on this time and those who served, and they rightly label that generation as the greatest generation. Many of the things we in America and the world enjoy today are a result of that greatest generation and them being willing to do their part, to press themselves into service, more than just seeking their own comforts, but to press themselves into service. You see, that greatest generation were men and women who laid down their petty differences. They united together in common cause, and they made themselves personally responsible to find their place of service. This great generation not only stopped the, those tyrannical aggressors of that day, but they also brought peace to family. They liberated nations. They rebuilt communities and they restored relationships. They fought a hard war, but they caused this nation and this world that had been torn apart by many selfish acts to be brought back together. 
You see, this greatest generation didn't just fight and win this war for themselves, but rather after the war was technically won, they continued working hard. They built our nation and built so many other nations. They continued to serve until everyone was saved from the evils of the day and delivered to a brighter future for generations to come. I'm reminded as well of someone in the Bible, of another story in the Bible about people who did their part and won a great victory that had long been awaiting and brought their nation and brought their people into such security. It happened along about 445 B.C. There was a man named Nehemiah who served a great cause. Nehemiah found Jerusalem overrun by enemies and without walls. And he felt personally responsible to deliver the Jews, that generation in his day and generations to come, to a better protected future, to a more secure future. He, he encouraged them. In fact, his encouragement to them was basically, find your place of service and hold yourself personally responsible to build your portion of the wall. That's what he encouraged them to do. He encouraged them to find their place of service and to hold themselves personally accountable, personally responsible to build their portion, their part of the wall. Despite all of the resistance that they encountered in only 52 days, we read this from Nehemiah 4, verse 6. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. You see, this gives us a picture of people who had a heart and a mind. They were touched. It was not that they were not without walls before. There had not been walls there for 60 plus years. They had not had, had security. They had been overrun and, and they had been doing their own thing and going about trying to keep themselves secure and locking their own houses and taking care of their own stuff. But yet here came a man with a greater vision. And his greater vision was, was to somehow impart a strategy. You see, Nehemiah's secret to getting the wall built in only 52 days, despite the political resistance, despite the financial hardships, despite all the differences of opinions and how long it had been down and how hard it was to do it. In fact, it was so hard, we're told, that the workers had to work with only one hand and to hold a sword with the other hand so that they could protect themselves while they were building a future and working together. You see, the secret to getting this wall built was Nehemiah's strategy. He simply had each person work on their portion of the wall. He simply had each person do their part. He motivated them to realize that if each person did their part, then everything would get done. If each person did what they were responsible to do, then everything would get done. Sometimes it's very hard to imagine the whole job being finished because we look at the big picture and understand we cannot do it all. But yet, even though we view the big picture, when we are willing to work in the small picture, when we are willing to do our part, along with connecting with those others. There, 
everything gets done. You see, the whole wall was built and it amazed everyone. God's strategy and God's call on our lives never presents anything to us more difficult than us just doing our part. God never gives us anything more difficult to do than just our part. You see, in Nehemiah's case, he assigned them to build a wall that was connected to their house. Build a wall connected to their property. Do their part. And as everyone did their part, everything got done. God, as I said, never gives us anything more difficult than simply doing our part. You know, some people are made for one part and one purpose, and some people are made for another. Some people can do more and take more. Some people can do less and take less. But we are never asked to do more than we can do. God has said He will never allow more to come upon us than what He has also given us the grace to bear. This is a picture of God's strategy. We are created to serve and connect. We serve God and connect to others who are serving God. And when we serve God and connect to others who are serving God, we do our part as others do their part, then everything gets done. When we work together, we win. When we separate, isolate, and refuse to serve the common cause, but only serve our own personal interest. When we imagine ourselves as isolated or as individuals instead of a part of the body, as 1 Corinthians tells us. When we imagine ourselves as just a finger or a hand or a head or an eye, and we imagine we have no use for the other parts, are no reason to be connected, then we can lose and cause others to lose as well. You see, my finger is only beneficial as it is attached to my body. Take my finger away. My finger ceases to function. My body still functions, but an individual member without the body cannot function according to God's plan, but dies isolated, dies withdrawn, dies apart. This same truth covers every area of life and eternal life as well. It would be unimaginable to expect a team to win if the first baseman was unwilling to do his part. It would be unimaginable to, to expect you know, a, a plant to, to, to carry out its mission, one of these oil refineries, if an operator was not willing to show up. Unimaginable to, to get on an airplane where, where the mechanic, you knew the mechanic who worked on it, did not check his work. Or a teacher who feels no personal responsibility to prepare and to know their material. Or a heart that stops beating. How can your body go on? With lungs that won't breathe. With a heart that won't beat. You see, we are designed to function together. And when we do not do our part, when we are unwilling to serve in the greater cause, then we often also not only do damage to ourselves, but we cause so many others to lose as well. 
As I said, the same truth covers every area of life, and in fact, eternal life. Each person is designed with purpose, each one of us. We all have a specific design and are called to a very special place of service in the body of Christ. Everything, in fact, that God ever created has a purpose. Every creation is designed with purpose. From the leaves on the trees, you know, that, that turn carbon dioxide into oxygen, to the herbivorous animals that, 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 that control vegetation in the forest, to the carnivorous animals that, that you know, uh, uh, not only uh, keep down disease, but uh, also control overpopulation. You know, to the riverbeds and the lakes that provide uh, water reserves. Uh, you know, everything is designed by God. From the sun that, that lights and warms our earth to the moon that, 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 that controls the tides to, to, uh, you know, to the wind that, that, that uh, moves the weather, uh, to the rains that gather moisture. Everything is designed for a purpose. And when everything works together as God intended, then God's will is done. And life is as God desires. That's the way it is with the church. That's the way it is with this experience a Christian is brought into once they are born again into the family of God. We are born again with a purpose. We are born again to do a part. We are, we are called by this calling, uh, you know, even akin to people feeling the call on December 7th, 1941 to something that was greater than their own personal sacrifice. It's an upward call that, that reaches deep within us and draws us to become a part of something bigger than us, more than just protecting our own interest. Rather, joining together, serving God and connecting with others so that as God purposed and designed us, we might function as a part of the body and do our service for the kingdom of God. It is our responsibility to serve the church of the living God. As born-again Christians, we are called to a body membership to a local church service. It is our responsibility. Our key scripture tonight comes from 1 Peter, the fourth chapter in verse 10. It says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each one of us has received a gift a talent, an ability, a grace. Each one has received, you, you and I, we all have something we're designed to do, something we can do better. There's something that you can do better than 10,000 other people around you. And you can do it easy, and many of them are trying, and you could walk up and it would be easier for you. There are also 10,000 things you cannot do. But there are, there's something you're designed to do. You do it naturally, you do it great. And God designed you to do it for him. And as you have received that gift, that grace, minister, that word minister comes from the word, uh, same Greek word that we get deacon from. It means to serve. It means to do service. It means to wait on. It means to, 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 to pledge yourself to serve in. Serve one another as good stewards, as someone who is taking care of the gift, the opportunity, the grace that God gave them. God gave you a grace. Don't just use it for your own personal gain. 
You need to connect your grace gift to the church of the living God, a body experience so that God's will can be accomplished. Well, we have some important points tonight. Four important points. Listen to these important points, especially you teachers that are teaching this, okay? Here is what those that are listening to you should leave understanding. Number one, our first important point tonight is you are designed to fit a special place of service to God and others. You, each one of us, we are designed by God to fit a very special and specific place of service to God and others. Important point number two, if we don't stay connected and work together, things may not work. You know, sometimes things don't work just because people won't work together. Sometimes things that could work would work if people would just stay connected and work together. So when you find that things aren't working, get closer. Don't get farther away. Get closer. Get connected. Okay. A flat tire will not even do any better unless you get closer to it, unless you get connected to it. That's the way it is with everything. Stay connected. Sometimes things don't work and won't work simply because we aren't connected. We don't stay together. Important point number three, we must hold ourselves personally responsible to do our part. You know, no one else can make you do your part. I can't as a pastor. You know, your mother can't, your father can't. You know, uh, your, your in-laws can't. You know, your spouse can't. No one else can make you do your part. And you can't make anyone else do theirs. But when you do yours, it encourages others to do theirs. There is a collective mentality that is brought forth when someone sees you doing your part. It's an encouragement. And when we do our part, others do theirs. Everything gets done. Hold yourself personally responsible. Hold yourself personally accountable to do your part as though you, you know, we're doing something much more important than working on an airplane before passengers departed. And our last point tonight, point number four, wake up and find your place of service in the church today. Wake up, find your place of service in the church today.